Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the DIY Fi Podcast. I am your host, Jack May, and the man, the myth, the legend, the tax expert, Ben Drumgul. How are you doing, sir? The accolades just keep getting better every week. Hey, I gotta keep it gotta keep it interesting. You know? I know. I never know what you're gonna say. I'm doing well though. Thank you. How how are you? I'm doing good. I mean, we I prefaced it by calling you the tax legend. It is tax season. Okay. Do you feel overwhelmed by the amount of requests people are asking of you because of tax season? Uh, we haven't got to crunch time yet, so <laughs> so um, there hasn't been as much. I know. I actually looked on the calendar this year and I said, "Oh my goodness, tax days later." Yeah. Like it's April eighteenth. Is it's, it not always been April eighteenth? I I was always under the impression it was <laughs> April fifteenth. Oh, that makes sense. So three days. Yeah, and I was like, this is weird. Do so you, I'm sorry. No, I'm talking to one of my friends, and I was like, yeah, you got to April fifteenth, and then I looked on the calendar, and I was like, no, you've got to April eighteenth. Jeez. Free so extension. I is it? Do you think the extension has happened because of all the new tax laws that have been added and all the tax breaks that have been added as well? I think. Um, the 15th fell on a weekend. So uh, so they just pushed it forward to, yeah, to the following Monday. So we're just talking about absolutely nothing important. It's just, ah, well, we moved it forward to that following Monday. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let me get into our topic for today. I wanted to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Okay. I was listening to some uh, financial advisors. Yep. I, surprise, I don't just listen to you. I like to have a little, you know, diversity. Diversify. I think, I think that's the right way to live. And one of them said something that really hit me, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. He first started off his podcast by saying, a million dollars is not a lot of money. Correct. If you give someone a million dollars, they're going to blow through it nine times out of 10. So far, are you tracking? Is that um, a fair statement? I'll agree with that. <laughs> his next statement was kind of kind of blew me off. He, okay. was, he was like, you should not pay off current obligations. You should make that million dollars work for you. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Should you pay off that house payment, those car payments, up, get a nicer house uh, with cash? Mm-hmm. Or what, what are your thoughts on that? So if we look at, for the sake of averages, if we were to take uh, something in the realm of the million dollars and we were to put a retirement age, you're retired, your, your nest egg is now a million dollars, how much am I going to make every year off of that money, right? And so that's kind of the way that we'd have to look at it in order to see, is it worth paying stuff off or am I going to have enough money to keep making that payment? Because if I, if I pay everything off, okay, and so I pay off the house, I pay off the cars, I pay, I pay off any credit cards, all that kind of stuff. Now, I, let's say I'm left with $600,000. Mm-hmm. How much is 600000 going to pay me every year? Mm. 600000 probably only going to pay you about twenty-six to $27,000 a year. Not a bad income when you have no like debt obligations. Mm-hmm. However, million dollars is going to pay you somewhere in the realm of 40 to 47,000. So, when we look at that r- number, 47, it's $20,000 more a year, usually you can make those debt payments with that amount. Hmm. So, if the interest rate on your items are below 5%, keep making the payment. Mm. And just let that money keep working yeah, for you. Yeah, le- let that money keep working for you, yeah. Interesting, because that, that was his take as well. He was just mm-hmm. like, if if you feel more comfortable paying everything off or and then having a small amount, 200000 left over to pay for you know, your retirement or whatnot, then mm-hmm. do that. But 
Otherwise, he was like, just put that million and make that million work for you. And I just found that very interesting. And like him prefacing it off by saying a million dollars is a small amount is such a crazy thought to someone who's never even seen half of that. Right. And so it's just interesting. Like people who are successful see 10 years ahead. Mm-hmm. And so they see $100,000 ahead of what I was thinking. Like, hey, what can my $10,000? They're like, no, no, no. Learn how to live off of less than that. Right. And put the rest into making work for you. And so I just found that very interesting. And I kind of wanted to make this a million dollar podcast. And like, what do we do with that million dollars? So let's say we want to make it work for us. What mm-hmm. kind of accounts does someone want to put that million dollars into? Yeah. Are we looking at somebody who has a million dollars or trying to get to a million? Let's say, let's say, so his, for, for, for everyone's interest, it was a million dollar tax-free um, inheritance. Okay, so got it. that's how the, the money came to the person. All right. So I'm going to be a little bit different. Everybody says diversify, right? Diversify, 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 which is great. I think everybody needs to have seven streams of income. I think, mm. so, I think it's biblical. I think it's um, smart. I think it's all that kind of stuff. So getting to that seven would be ideal. However, more recently... I've said, you know what, when you don't have that much money that you're working with, and like we said, millions, not like not an incredible amount, but it, I mean, it is a nest egg, let's yeah. say. The S&P 500 has done an average of 12% since it was founded. And when was that? That was like the 50s, correct? Yes, the late 40s, early 50s. So when we look at the average, 12% over that time, over the last 10 years... The S&P has done 28% on average. Take that million, put it in that, and let the, like a hedge fund, or I mean an index fund, let an index fund do that for you. Mm -hmm. 28% in 10 years. That's just ridiculous. And the thing is, is like everyone, we all know 28% is better than the 5% for like, let's say for a car payment or something. And like that's, it's such a elementary idea it's mm-hmm. just so crazy that most people don't even look at it they're just like oh i'd rather have the justification now the, yeah. the gratification now and exactly it's, it's like hey look you put that money you can have that thing in mm-hmm. five years and still have the amount that you want in the bank right exactly the the cliche make your money work for you like it's it's a real thing mm. let's put that money in the bank like for instance if you wanted to buy a new vehicle all right and you said okay that monthly payment on that's gonna be five hundred dollars a month Okay, what can you do to make $500 a month? Instead of taking that $30,000 and paying for it in cash, put that in the S&P 500 where you're making 28% a year, all right? And then you're taking, you can take the dividends from that and pay the freaking car payment. So you're making money and getting the car you want. Exactly. So it's and it just- didn't cost you anything. You're using, in, you're using interest to buy your car. So do you feel like, I, I hate saying that this, mm-hmm. this cliche, but the big bank is hiding this very elementary idea from people because it doesn't work for them. Yeah, I don't think they're hiding it at all. I think they're using it. (laughs) Okay? So the only way that a bank can loan you money and say, okay, I'll give you a 5% interest rate is because they're making 35% on that money. And so this is where people like uh, are uh, the big people in bank. Mm -hmm. They're saying, okay, we have... You know, ten million dollars sitting in our in our bank right now. We'll invest that money. We'll make all all this money up. Because funny thing, you can't walk into a bank and say, "Hey, I need fifteen thousand dollars cash." They'll say no. <laughs> and even if you have the money in your account, yeah, because they're limited because they don't have all that money. Yeah, 
they have to sell stuff. They have to do all this kind of stuff in order to get your money. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) That is crazy. But they're making all of this money on your money. I read an article the other day. Hmm. Starbucks. Okay. Starbucks, more so than a coffee shop, is a bank. What? Yes. Ready. Starbucks gift cards. They encourage anytime you're trying to buy uh, a drink off the Starbucks app, right? They want to give you stars. Mm-hmm. Only way to get stars, reload a gift card, right? All right. We're mm-hmm. peeling back the yeah. onion here. Okay. 26% of all money loaded to a Starbucks card is never used. Jeez. They load that 26% equals somewhere around. Three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars a year that's never used on Starbucks gift cards. Jeez. They take that money, invest it in the S and P five hundred. Okay, they just made a buku amount of money and didn't do anything because you decided to use a Starbucks gift card that you'll never use. That you'll never life. use, or that'll get lost. Exactly. You know those little packs of gift cards that you buy that's like twenty five dollars, yeah. but there's like four gift cards. Just think, every time somebody buys one of those, one of those doesn't get used. Isn't that insane? So it's it's not even like an illegal scheme. It's just like, hey, like we know this is something that's going to be done, so why not just take advantage of it? Exactly. Thirty percent of Starbucks income 30. comes off of interest from uh, credit uh, from gift cards that it's never used. Thirty percent. Thirty percent of their like j- net operating income. Yep. Wow. So they're not ma- the, the coffee is just a side business basically exactly. for them. That's mm-hmm. you so unique. Yeah. So let, let's get back to the millionaire right. I- idea. I want to know what are accounts that people could set up. Yeah. Is, is there a certain sort of, I mean, we, we hear Roth IRA, we hear IRA. Like, what is the purpose? What is the uniqueness of each account? Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with IRAs. There's two. There's a traditional, there's a Roth. Traditional IRA means I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put my money in this account and I'm going to let it grow. At the end of the year, I'm going to write off everything that I put in that IRA on my taxes so I don't have to pay income tax on that money, Okay. When I take it out, I then have to pay income tax on it. Mm. So all your growth, all everything is all taxed. So if you put in a hundred thousand, but you and you make a million, you're taxed at a million, not a hundred. Roth IRA is after tax money. So at the end of the year, you can't write off that you put in, you know, five thousand dollars into your IRA because you're paying tax on that money now. So when you put in a hundred thousand, you've already paid tax on that. You make a million, you don't have to pay tax on the million. Hmm. So that's the the Roth IRA versus the IRA. And that, is that why, if you make a certain amount of money, you're not allowed to use a Roth IRA because it's it's geared towards people who don't make as much money? Is that my understanding? It is, it is. But uh, so they can still use it, no matter like what your income level is. Okay. Uh, but you're limited on how much you can put in. That's right. So okay. fi- it's like fifty five hundred dollars a year is what they limit you to, hmm. and so. Um, that's the way that people get around it. And like, uh, if you have a spouse, you do, you know, two of them. And so you can do $11,000 a year. Once you hit a certain age, depending on where you're at, they bump that up to like 7,500. And so you can, you know, help growth. The other kind of account. So, uh, those accounts would be called tax qualified. All right. So you're putting away for a retirement. You can't access those unless you have like a, a reason or you pay a penalty. So those, that's what would be called a qualified account non-qualified account would be just like a, a brokerage account like a Robinhood or a uh, like a, a, 
E trade. Yeah, E trade. Any of those. You, you. That's a non qualified account. So it means you can put money in, you can take money out, you can put money in, you take money out, and there's no penalties. Yeah, you just pay your taxes at the end of the year. At the end of the year on your gains. Yeah. And so I have two accounts I have a Roth IRA that I put in for my retirement. And then I have a qualified account or non-qualified account that I use for like my fund money or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's going to be the stuff because on a IRA, you can use that money for how like a down payment on a house, college education, healthcare education. I mean, healthcare um, expenses and like those kind of aspects you can use that money for and not have to pay the penalty. But I can get the same return in a brokerage account or a non-qualified account and have access to that money whenever I want. So why wouldn't you do that? That is a great question. That, that is, uh, it has to be personal choice. Yeah. And so like I talked to my friends, they love putting it into the IRA because they're going to use it for retirement. Mm-hmm. I don't love that. I really don't. Hmm. Because uh, you know me, I'm the entrepreneur. Hmm. Okay. If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, let's buy vending machines and it's going to cost 10 grand. I want to be able to pull that money and not have to pay exuberant amount of fees and stuff. Right. Yeah. So. I'd rather have to deal with the taxes on the like at the end than being like, hey, I'm just gonna have a two million dollar nest egg and not and then not have to pay taxes on it. Yeah, I'd rather have a fifteen million dollar nest egg and pay taxes on it. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, speaking personally for myself, like I have a Roth IRA, an IRA. My wife has her own work mm-hmm. uh, IRA, and then we also have a joint one. So like we put a certain amount every month, mm-hmm. but then everything after that, we're putting into investments. Like. Yep. Like there's no point. So we have we have about twenty thousand in the bank because that's the money we want to be able to have yeah. within twenty four hours. We need this money, sort of thing. We talked yeah. about this in previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. We'd like to have that, but the rest needs to be making money for you because mm-hmm. that twenty thousand dollars in the bank is making me three bucks a year. Like right, let's be real, right. it's not doing anything for me. And mm-hmm. so even even a uh, our high yield account, which we have like five grand in, that's only three. It's only like excuse me, it's it's point six zero percent right now that's the best you're gonna get and you're over here telling me there's 28 percent gains like why so why do you think it's just ignorance in the general public that they don't know about this or is there some other reason it's being hidden yeah it's a little bit of both okay uh people have been told for so long that i need to have a 401k Mm. i need to put my money in a 401k and then after i'm done uh, working for 40 years I'll have enough in my account to go ahead and retire, right? Literally just did this with my mother the other day. <laughs> Looked at her 401k, doing well. But last year she did 8%, so not terrible. And I said, and I looked at the div- diversified, okay? Way too diversified. Yeah. Maybe, let's just say 10% of her portfolio was in the S&P 500. Let me guess most of it was in bonds. Bonds? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so you see these things and you're like, why in the world would you diversify that much? It's one thing if you have $5 million. It's one thing if you have a million dollars. But when you're working to get that nest egg, you don't need to to pump in every different different direction. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather have 28% on 20,000 or 28% on 2,000? Okay. So I, I felt like that was a trick question. It is a trick question. <laughs> so why would you diversify instead of putting all your money into the into the account that is historically going to pay you the most interest? Mm-hmm. So I had another friend I just talked to. He's a uh, 
I believe he's in his early 60s, okay? Worked 45 years for the same company, retired, and he did all of his own uh, investments. He said, I made a phone call in 1985 to a Vanguard representative. I set up myself a tax-qualified account. And he said, I put one payment in a month to that account. When I got tax bonus, when I got bonuses, anything like that, I put a percentage into that account. I asked him, I said, what was your highest salary where you were working? He said, $85,000 a year. That's the highest he ever made. He pays more in taxes right now than you and I make. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And he made one payment every month into a retirement account in the S&P 500. That's ridiculous. Now, you say Vanguard. Mm -hmm. I know that's still a thing right now. Um, Yeah. Is it, would that be your preferred option of who to go to or who? They have my money. (laughs) Hey, there's his answer right there, folks. It's Vanguard. Yeah. Vanguard has the lowest fees in the industry, I believe. Mm -hmm. I haven't like searched and searched and searched, but uh, Vanguard has an incredible portfolio. And I'm, I'm telling you like their fee structure is absolutely nothing. And what about the flexibility? Do they give you a lot of flexibility? They do. Mm-hmm. Mm, and so uh, the only thing that they require in their mutual funds or their index funds, so you got to start with three grand. Yeah. And so uh, if you have that, great. If not, they actually have what's called a holding fund mm. that lets you deposit money into your holding fund. It earns 1% interest. Yeah. But while it's growing before you buy that mutual fund, you, you can put it all in there. And that way, once you hit the three grand, you can buy that mutual fund right there. Huh. And are they by percentage or is there a flat free fee each month? Uh, it's percentage. And percentage. It's 0.03. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. No, so not at all. Then, so they have that... Uh, as people would say, the incentive to work hard for your money. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they so get, want more yeah. money. So get this. You put your money into an index fund in the S&P 500. Over the last 10 years, you gain 28%. Vanguard takes 0.03 to manage that, that fund. They're paid massive amounts of money to make sure that you get the massive amount of money. And so you actually just got 27.97%. <laughs> And you didn't pay, like, you didn't have to pay any additional fees. Whereas your bank would give you 0.02%. Yeah, yeah. And you're with a credit union. Yeah. That's like, with the credit union. Yeah. yeah. I'm with JP Morgan Chase. Yeah. So you're getting like 0.0002. I think it's negative. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're taking money from yeah. you. They're like, hey, we're going to charge you to hold your money. Oh my gosh. Now, you mentioned Robin Hood. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of millionaires who are kind of uh for it but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of the uh, general public who is against it Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on uh, robin hood since we're on this yeah absolutely i think it's fun (laughs) (laughs) like i'm not putting my life savings into it no but um for people who are millennials Mm. or you know even gen z that are trying to buy game stock or games GameStop stock. Yeah. Sorry, I just combined two <laughs> words. Uh three words. At least so, you didn't say stonks, so right? You're good. Yep. So if you're trying to buy GameStop or you're trying to buy, you know, AMC or whatever, like come on, you don't need to waste the time of a like a broker. Yeah, your fifty dollars isn't gonna do anything exactly. with a broker. They're gonna look at you and be like, Really? Like yeah. I'm, I'm not doing this. This no. I I lose money talking to you. Oh, one hundred percent. And so Robin Hood is great for that aspect. 
Um, I also use another one called Weeble, mm. and it's W-E-B-U-L-L. And Weeble is incredible. Uh, it It's almost like that professional stock portfolio <laughs> that you look and you can see like all the numbers moving all the time. And uh, it's a great platform. And uh, it's just a little bit more. It's like that one step up from Robinhood. Mm. Robinhood's like, hey, let me open this and go buy a stock. You know, Weeble's like, hey, do you really want to buy this? Here's the other options. Here's this. Here's that. Like, let's see the, you know, the high, the low. Let's see all this kind of stuff. And so uh, I prefer Weeble just mm. because it's a little bit um, more advanced. But if you're just starting out, download Robinhood. So what would be that percentage that you would put into that kind of investment portfolio for yourself out of what you're going to put in each month? Sure. Um, I honestly don't have a percentage. <laughs> I, like I, I have a set number. And I, so for me, I put $250 a month into a, into the S and P 500. Mm. That's what I do. And when I retire, my projections are massive. Mm. I'm 26 years old, by the way. Mm. Okay. 26 years old. When I want to retire at 65 years old, I will have over $8 million. Yep. And I put $250 a month in. That's if the market doesn't crash. I'm right. Just, I'm just yeah, kidding. Exactly. I'm just kidding. But I, we got a lot of time to recover, though. Yeah, we do. So, yeah. I, and I was like, even if I'm half wrong. Yeah. Like, if it doesn't get the 28% over the next. If it gets the standard 12%. The 12%. Yeah. I'm still sitting good. Yeah. And so that's where I tell people, like, all the time. I say, you know what? Just pick a number. What can you afford monthly? Let's put that in. Put that into an uh, uh, IRA or something. Then, when you're. I, I use it as McDonald's money kind of thing, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's what I put into Robinhood. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, that stock looks cool. It's only, you know, 20 bucks a share. Yeah, I'll buy two shares. Like I'm not trying to buy thousands of dollars worth of stock. No. And you, you really, you leave that up to your experts when you put it in with Vanguard or whoever exactly. you put it with. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like for me, like I saw the whole thing with Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. Oh, let's put some money into some Lockheed and, you know, see if that does anything. Yeah. Because it's just, hey, look, I'm a beginner. I don't mm-hmm. know this market completely. Like, yeah. let's, let's throw money at it and see what happens. Like, it's, but don't throw your whole investment portfolio into right. one thing because you think, oh, we're going to war. So that a war right. stock has to do good. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that's where, so when people think the S&P 500, they think, you know, it's not just one stock of every company from like the (laughs) top 500 companies. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you look at the breakdown, like technology and health are like 30% of the portfolio. Yep. And so that's what these guys study and they're like, oh, hey, you know, it's actually going to be, let's say fuel. Like fuel is going to yep. be a huge one or natural resources or, you know, anything like that. They'll shift the portfolio to manage that. Mm-hmm. That's what they get paid to do. And so when you see over the last 10 years, 28% average, like that's incredible. Yeah. No, it's it's ridiculous because it's like the the littlest things like these guys are, have to know. Like they are mm-hmm. they are the experts in the news. Like, yes. So like the like I'm going back to Russia, but like Russia is 75 percent of the grain in, uh, importers for United States. Yeah. My wife told me that, and I was just like, oh, interesting. So I just kind of went and looked in there, and like the main grain producers already down like 10 percent, and mm-hmm. it's like what the crap like and so it's like i don't have the time to do that Mm-mm. let me paste the 1.02 percent of my portfolio mm-hmm. to do this for me and they love it and they want to make money like why yeah. wouldn't you do that exactly i know it's super easy and 
the biggest thing is you have to make sure that you're not using like an automated system like principal that's like hey open your 401k like check your 401k what's it diversified at Mm -hmm. you know make sure or your pensions or yeah or your pensions pensions are most of the time like as someone who comes from a a pension background pensions are most of the time stocks i mean uh bonds yeah which cool but you're getting a very limited return on right talk to the people you can have them do changes you can say hey i want to be more aggressive Mm-hmm. When he, when we say more aggressive, that means you're putting more in the S and P 500. Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. And the S and P 500 is not the only one to make money. Like no. you can make money in many different mutual funds, many different hedge fund, whatever. You know, you can put your money in anything, and it, you know, those account managers are going to try to make you money. I'm just saying, if we look at history, the S and P is the best. Yeah. I mean, it is. Now, could you yourself go and buy the stock of, you know, the top tech companies? You know, that's going to be Meta. That's going to be Google, which is actually called Alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're going to buy tw- Twitter. You're going to buy all these kind of t- tech companies, Zoom. Yeah. Could you put all your money in those stocks and, you know, instead of making 28%, you're actually going to make like 60% when those suckers go up? Yes, you can do that all, all that work by yourself. But if you're like me and you, we got day jobs, we got family, we got all this kind of stuff. I'm not trying to sit there all day and manage this kind of stuff. <laughs> no. I'll take the 28%. Yes. Day in and day out. Well, oh, yeah. I want to finish with the the topic that has made the most millionaires, crypto. Okay. So uh, you talk about over diversifying. Mm-hmm. I think everyone, as soon as we started seeing the bubble you know, burst on crypto, we saw you know Bitcoin hit mm-hmm. 60 grand. Now it's down at 38. But... Anyways, like everyone was putting money into the next, you know, and I hate saying this, but this is what they're called, shit coins. Like mm-hmm. that's what they're putting their monies into and expecting it to happen. You know, we saw with uh, when uh, Squid Games came out. Yeah. Like people put in $9 million and then they actually ended up losing like $16 million because it was a, I, I don't like saying, let's say crap coins. We'll, yeah, call, yeah. It, uh, we'll call that on this podcast. Okay. And so like what what is the risk in crypto today crypto is the most volatile market that there is <laughs> yeah uh it's fun like it's a fun market because you're like oh dude i just made 130 percent today yeah like cool you know but you we'll lost see you tomorrow yeah you lost 230 percent tomorrow <laughs> like um mark cuban says that you should have 15 percent of your portfolio in crypto but if you're mark cuban 15 percent doesn't do a whole lot no, so no. um Crypto is one of those other things like Robin, you know, it's like Robin Hood. It's, I have my base, right? Mm-hmm. If I've got extra, let's play around with it. Yeah. Let's play around with crypto. I'm not all for dumping all of my money into crypto. I'm, I'm just, I'm not. I, I think it's too risky. And I think, you know, from what you and I have seen is there's a lot of like our parents mm. thinking crypto is their... Like, get out of debt free card, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's great. If you got in five years ago, six years ago, like, awesome. But right now... You're it, paying the fees to yeah. put it to to buy some, and then you're paying fees to take it out. And then on top of that, if the market starts tanking, there's not a guarantee that you'll be able to sell in time. Right. That's the reality behind it. Yeah. 
It is so volatile. Right. How old are your parents? Uh, 55. Okay. So they got 10 to 12 years before retirement. Mm. All right. If they take crypto right now, and let's just say they put 100 grand into crypto, could they make it a million in 10 years? Sure. You can. Could you also make it a thousand? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's that volatile. Yep. I think that for me, I'll, I'll tell the listeners my point of view on crypto is I've made a lot of money off crypto. I'm not going to hide behind the fact it's it's treated me very well yeah. through the years. Um, but at this point in time, I've taken out my gains and what's in there is what I put in at the beginning. Mm. And I that's my comfort level right now. Yeah. Like I was like, ah, you know what? I don't, there's not a lot of guarantees in this. Mm-hmm. And then after talking with you and other financial advisors, it's like, put in the S&P 500, it's a guarantee. Like, it's a guarantee 12%. Like, you're saying 28%. That's what it's at right now, but yeah. there's no, it drops and it's stopping at 12%. Like, yeah. that's it. Uh, and whereas my bank, again, 0. 0.02, mm-hmm. whatever percent, crap percent it is, mm-hmm. that's what it's at. And so for me, it's like, I like the safety. Mm-hmm. So why not just be happy with that? Right. When crypto is uh, fast interest, right, is what we would call fast interest. But S&P 500, index funds, mutual funds, it's compounding interest. And I think that's what we'll have to get into next week. Yes. It's compounding interest. But like Einstein said, it's the eighth wonder of the world. And so diving into seeing what compounding does for you like it's way better than just letting crypto run so i want to finish with this thought on crypto i i had a friend who decided to get into crypto when it was at sixty thousand on bitcoin mm-hmm. and i told him don't do it this is the peak right now mm-hmm. it's going to drop drastically within the next couple of weeks and it did down to forty thousand, like mm-hmm. i said but he paid his fees he bought i want to say 15 bitcoins at that at like sixty-two thousand, he ended up selling at fifty-two thousand. On top of his fees, he ended up losing like over I want to say one hundred and twenty grand. Oh my gosh! That's the risk you're going to run because mm-hmm. he needed that money, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Well, that was my fun money, but now I, I want to buy a car, and so I'm going to take this out." And I'm just like, "If you're going to into crypto, you have to," and I. It's such an overused diamond hands. You have to. Like, you can't just sell mm-hmm. when it gets bad. Nope. Like, I sold because I was like, I want my money and mm-hmm. I don't want to risk this. Mm-hmm. So, I still made a good amount of money, mm-hmm. but I left some stuff in there still. Yep. But if you go into crypto thinking, this is going to change my world, it's not. Mm-mm. It's changed the world of probably three to 400 people. Yep. And that's because they got paid in Bitcoin with pizza for pizza. Right. Or they're the Winklevoss twins and bought just a crap ton and lucked out. Which, what a life for them. They start Facebook, they're champion Olympic rowers, and they're billionaires because of crypto. Like, tell me how that is not a story in Hollywood yet. I know. Like, you can't just give me the sub note on the social media. I'm like, come on. Yeah. And with the way that crypto is going, I mean, we're seeing every sports complex. I mean, they're even renaming a stadium over in California, crypto.com. Yep, yep. Old like, Staples Center. Yep. Yeah. Like, I mean... They're calling it the crypt, which is hilarious. Yeah, are they really? Yeah. That's amazing. Especially because it's in LA, so they got the bloods and the crypts, mm-hmm. and you're going to literally call a stadium crypto. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, it's just becoming another 
fast track Robin Hood. Yeah. Tr- you know, it's a it's a tr- it's easy trading. And, you know, when you dive into the whole behind the scenes, the blockchains, these, that's all that kind of stuff. It's it's just not it, it's not something that's going to be a huge uh, interest gaining asset for you. No, it's I think it, I think it has peaked. I mean, there's not this isn't to say that once every single Bitcoin has mm-hmm. been mined, that it's not going to be worth one point two million dollars of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is every time there is a lack of resources, prices go up. Mm-hmm. And so once the, it's going to have its day in the sun, we're not going to deny that. I, I think we can agree on that. But I, I think we've definitely seen the peak of that. And we'll just throw in NFTs with that as well. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's We love digital assets here. But mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, cash is still king and it will always be king. It will. But all right. So that would be our millionaire podcast, Ben. Is there any other closing thoughts you want? Check out Vanguard. Vanguard. Yep. And remember, don't like you don't have to have a whole bunch. Like I started with two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. And so make it feasible for exactly. Yourself. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me when I was getting into the financial industry, something is better than nothing, mm-hmm. and sooner is better than later. I like it. Want to plug your uh, social media tags? Absolutely. I am on TikTok at the Budget Ben. And I am on Facebook and Twitter as Ben Drumgoal. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today, Ben. Thanks. You too. All right, guys. We will talk to you guys later. And don't forget to keep on budgeting.